0: Hello and welcome to the brand new series of The Dirt in association with Harrod Horticultural. We're the podcast that understands we've all been there with mishaps in the garden. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And
1: I'm Gray Your Own's Deputy Editor, Blake. As ever, we'll be diving into the latest gardening news stories and giving you a checklist of jobs to get done on the plot this week. But before we get to that, our first guest of the new series is writer, grower and cook, Mark Diacono. Welcome to The Dirt,
2: Mark. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Hello. How are things in your garden today?
2: Um you know, what? they're all right. They're, I think it was lovely and sunny, yesterday. It's a bit cooler today, but it seems to have perked things up a bit more. So, um, you know, the herbs are poking their nose out a bit more, and that, and, and that always makes me feel happy. So, yeah, it's good. Um, you know, got some things that I want to get in the ground fairly shortly, but I just, yeah, I feel good. Feels good.
0: Yes, it's that really exciting time in the season, just sort of before everything really kicks off, isn't it? <laughs> so- yeah,
2: it, it, it is. Just sort of the the, the, the um, slight pre-panic thing of, of going... Oh, have I left everything too late, or am I <laughs> even thinking about that too late, uh, too early? But no, it's good. I like it very much.
0: <laughs> yeah, and as you say, so lovely to see a bit of sunshine and to feel like after what's felt like a very long winter, spring spring is here. So, <laughs> and so to start off, we were just wondering if you would be able to tell us about any of your big successes in your either your gardening career or mm-hmm. your life in the garden.
2: Yeah, do you know what it, um, I? It's, it's it's always more memorable to to keep in you know in the front of brain all the things that that went wrong. Um, you know, rather than go on about oh that was what a genius I was. I thought of that <laughs> and that worked. Um, but I think um, not not really knowing what I was doing early on meant that I asked a lot of questions, um, or, or, or I, I didn't know that certain things couldn't happen. So I tried a lot of things that maybe not that many people had grown in this country before. And um, some of them worked out, so um, that was pretty nice. I mean, there were some really uh, kind of life moments, you know. If you if you happen to have twenty minutes pain free on your deathbed, and you get to think back and go, "Do you know what? That day I sat underneath a peach tree, and the first fruit that I had from a peach tree that I'd planted." Mm. Landed in my lap. It actually landed in my lap from, two, and that is your perfect peach. You don't want to pick it; you want to catch it. That's the thing. And honestly, I ate, I ate that peach, and it felt like everything was kind of worthwhile. You know, all of the planting of this, mowing of seventeen acres of the, the small holding back then. Um, with this peach, it was more of a drink than a, than, a, than something to eat, and it was just exquisite. It was, mm. it was like entering a uh, uh, it, it, you know, what? It, it was it was you know the, the moment I don't know the first time you dig up some really nutty spuds or you pick the first peas and you just have them out of the pod raw, yes, you, you, and you and you you feel that glorious thing of this is what it's all about. God's sake, the flavour, the pleasure, all of that stuff. It was like having like having that again, but in big spades because there's something about fruit as much as I love veg. Something about fruit that feels luxurious and maybe. Um, unnecessary I mean um so that was that was a really lovely moment I I had a similar-ish one um because you know peaches are peaches are not a a definite harvest outside but something that's even more marginal I planted an orchard of pecans Mm -hmm. and it, it I've always been like why would you grow ornamental stuff when you can grow something that's really beautiful, that's edible, you know, and I still am quite like that. Um, and but the the thing I got with the pecans is I was I was streaming underneath them because it was hard to get the tractor under to do the mowing, and um, it was really hot. And I just stopped and sat down and leant against this peach, uh, this pecan tree that I'd planted maybe eight or nine years before, and I thought, you know, is there anybody? Is there anybody in this country who has been able to? lean back within their pecan orchard in the history of this country? <laughs> <Yeah>. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. uh, probably not. And it was a really lovely moment. And the, the leaves were just kind of moving in that lovely way on the breeze. And and I looked down and it hadn't produced any nuts at that time. And I looked down and it was just like, God, this is really... I can I, For a millisecond, I allowed the ornamentalists into my brain and went, okay, sometimes beauty is enough. And it was just a total joy but also that sense of connectivity with the only reason i could plant pecans and that they grew was because you know they came from the southern states of uh, america and gradually people took seedlings further and further north until they reached canada and i happened to be looking with my daughter at her globe when she was about 4 and we had a friend in canada and we're going oh look it's roughly the same latitude and i'd been reading about pecans the night before and i went oh i wonder Will pecans work here? So I ordered some from Canada. Um, you know, little little seedlings. You know, a foot tall, two foot tall, and I planted them. And all those years later, underneath, so that felt like success, yeah. but owed to so many people yeah. who had taken them gradually north. You know. And
0: um, so you mentioned that you um, obviously grow quite a lot of unusual crops for for this country. Mm. Um, how do you go about deciding? You know, when you're going to try something new, what are the things that make you think, yeah, I'll give that a go? And also, <laughs> where did your sort of love for the the unusual come from?
2: Yeah, that's it's interesting that, because um, I, I my background before I kind of started writing was really all about... Um, I was an environmental consultant, so I used to envi- in, in, in advise government agencies and other bodies about managing the landscape but on a kind of national and international level. So I was very... Um, clued up and very interested and very aware of all the environmental issues and climate change and, you know, landscape character and all of that stuff. And it seemed like the coming together of all of that, really. So um, I knew that even if we became amazingly good tomorrow, we're committed to a certain amount of climate change, you know, and I thought, well, you know, if we could take advantage of some of that to grow things that are a bit marginal, then we also then open up the possibility of producing them here. On a commercial scale which means that we stop importing them which reduces food miles which reduces climate change da, 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 da. so it, may not, it might be a nice virtuous circle so it's partly that but mostly it was just being a greedy git you know um,
0: <laughs> i wanted to eat delicious
2: things you know who, who wouldn't want to pick their own almonds or yeah.
0: or yeah. whatever
2: you know and and um and then i just nosed around and um i, I remember when i started growing stuff i don't know 20 odd years ago i quite soon after that i went to see a, a guy I'd heard of called Martin Crawford who's based in Totnes who's got a forest garden and, and I went there when he was really establishing that and that was like you know that was like a right angle turn in my life you know especially in my growing kind of gardening kind of side of my life changed everything um, and got me really inquisitive away from the usual suspects and I still grow all the usual suspects you know that I'm not mm. I'm not like you know stop growing courgettes you know that's not a banner I'm carrying down the road um but that was it really stomach and inquisitiveness um and wanting to try stuff you know yeah
0: has there been anything from um that sort of selection of things that you were really surprised that worked has there been anything that you had zero expectation for that um that actually went really really well
2: not really. I, I, I'm, I'm one of those tedious optimists. Do you know what I mean? I, I, <laughs> I plant it and go, yay! poof, uh, <laughs> look, that stick yeah. in the ground. Uh, what an orchard it looks. <laughs> um, and, uh, but there have been things that really have bowled me over by how amazing they've been. You know, I mean, I, I, I remember planting. Um, I've planted a couple of Asian pears, and I'd, I'd read a lot about how incredible they were if you grow them yourself, and I, you know. You know you can find them in the odd supermarket now, and they're really ordinary. Um, and I grew them; they produced a couple in the in the second year, and then they just get so productive. And they are extraordinary, you know. And, and really, you know, years three and four, which is no age of a you know once you planted a fruit tree. Not only did they look gorgeous, but they were so productive, and the fruit is just astonishing. And that kind of unbiable flavor is really something that I'm very very about. And and um, they they just bowled me over you know there've been other things like that but that I just remember that was so quick and so extraordinary mm-hmm. and so much beyond what I was expecting um yeah really wonderful
1: um so it sounds like you had lots of successes especially with with some <laughs> of these I um I guess with the with the unusual stuff as well it's quite low expectations so mm-hmm. you know if you go in mm-hmm. and you're not sure how it's going to turn out then um that's it's always going to kind of like uh yeah, go above and beyond. But has have there been any that haven't gone to plan at all, or that you've had any
2: real terrible nightmares with? Yeah, I think there's, there've been some that. Um, well, they, they, I guess non-success can be seen in lots of ways, can't it? Either it didn't grow, or it grew and didn't produce, or it was pretty disgusting when you got to eat it. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, and um, oh, and calamities. You know, I remember um, I was having one you know one of those perfect moments you occasionally get where everything seems okay and I was driving along I hadn't long had this little tractor and I was driving along mowing um, between trees and thinking oh you know I've really got the grip of this you know my daughter's just born it's a sunny day you know everything's good I'm singing merrily in the tractor and um I, suddenly the whole cab was filled with this beautiful smell and um i was like oh my god what's that it's absolutely gorgeous and it was the um i just mown over two pretty good peach trees oh, um, that no. i hadn't put in the ground very long and oh, it was no. the the cab was filled with this lovely scent of peach wood going ting 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 across the field oh. uh and and that wasn't ideal um so yes there's there's incompetence uh <laughs> that will cause you to fail things um planting things in the wrong place i've done i planted a an olive grove many years ago. um, And it was in the right place, but about three weeks. Sometimes you've got to plant stuff and go, right, I'm either doing it now or I'm doing it next year. And I lose a year and you go, I'm going to do it now. So we planted it, it, in it goes. And then about three weeks later, I read about all these new varieties that were really suitable to our climate. So um, that wasn't special. I'm thinking, oh, wrong varieties. Um, They'll grow perfectly merrily, but they won't produce. So there was a bit of that, and then there have been other things, um, Cucamelons, melons, they're all right, aren't they? But they're not, I don't think. Oh, do you know what? I fancy tonight, <laughs> <laughs> melons. There's a few things like that, I think. I think you know, they're one I just, of those things that you grow just for the novelty of, being yeah, like,
1: this is fun
2: rather than, yeah, yeah, like, I can't yeah you know, into these. <laughs> and you know, and it's one of those things where you they're. They're good if you get them for the for the sort of twenty minutes that they're really at their peak before mm. they start going a bit slimy and a bit meh. and it, it, it's it's they're like a pear. you know if you if you walk in you look at a pair and it's hard as hell and then it just begins to soften and then you go and pick up the post by the front door come back and it's gone over <laughs> it's like that with the, with the cucumber melon yeah. um, so there's a bit of that for sure
0: yeah definitely I know what you mean there because um, I've grown them the last couple of years and i think it's always that crop where you think oh it will be fun i'll just grow mm. it cuz it will be fun be really and great. then um and also cuz my garden um isn't very big although hearing about all the things that you've been growing top of my list is get a bigger garden but um <laughs> but cuz it's something that you can grow in a small space that's a bit unusual and it's that sort of point when all of the all of the usual suspects have been sown and stuff, and you're looking for something else to do. And then, um, but as you say, I I couldn't say what I actually used them in. I think they may have gone in a salad a couple of times, or mm. I mean, I always say on this podcast I'm awful for just walking around the garden and having a little snack from everything that I pick. Has that's I go the way the though, isn't it? Isn't <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that the joy? That's the way to <laughs> do I, it. And I think that's probably one of the things that cucumelons are useful for because. As you say, I don't really know what what else you do. <laughs> no,
2: they don't. They don't scream. Um, I don't know. They they don't attach to joyous words like mojito very well, do they, or anything like that? You know, it, 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 they're um, yeah, yeah. They, they yeah. They. I, I don't mind them, but it's just that thing of going. Okay, yeah, that was um, unspecial, should we say? And that that to me is the big deal. I, I, I really believe the big thing for anyone. And if people ask me, like, you know, I'm just starting off. What should I grow? And I'm like, grow something that you're really excited about when it happens, because there's nothing worse than getting what you asked for wrong. And it works. You know, if you get four tons of jacket potatoes, and you only like to eat jacket potatoes every other month, that's the definition of failure. It's not the fact that it worked, you know, it's got to make you feel yes, otherwise yeah. you find other stuff to do. And I, I, like, I like your approach, Laura. I, I love that thing of nibble it as you go around the garden you know Mm. this is this is one of the great pleasures of doing it you know and and it will be at its best and it's most lovely plucked straight from the from the plant you know
0: yeah I think the only problem sometimes with that approach is you've grown a lot of stuff and then don't have a huge amount to show for it in the kitchen (laughs) particularly with particularly with fruit I always think that whenever I'm in the garden and you're sort of having a few raspberries or whatever Mm. and then and then you kind of think I haven't actually Taken any raspberries into the house to do anything with?
1: You're your own worst pest, Laura. You're your own worst pest.
2: <laughs> yeah. What we need is the uh, biological control for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we need.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would probably just be dangle cheese on little ropes around that's, the garden, and then <laughs> that's,
2: that's, it's like oh oh yeah, it's a sacrificial crop of, of yes. cheese.
0: <laughs> oh. Um. Anyway, so bringing you on to um, sort of. Some tips and hacks, anything that might be time saving, money saving, whatever. Do you have any um, any tips you'd like to share with the listeners?
2: Yeah, well, it, it depends. My my um, depends on what you mean by tips. But my big big thing is to. I, I kind of mentioned it a minute ago. Is to just make sure that you are really excited. About the thing, if it works, I think that's a really, really important thing. You know, um, I actually do. You know, I, I remember helping a friend clear an allotment, and this guy came over who had the allotment next to her, and he gave her a bag of amazing turnips. And um you know, she was like, "Oh, thanks," and I'm like, "Wow, they're amazing." I mean, you know, turnips are a little bit tricky to get to grow really nicely, you know. Mm. And he was like, he was like, "Yeah, they're all right on the I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like, why do, why aren't you using them?" He goes, "I don't like them." <laughs> what, 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 what are you growing them for? He goes, "You got an allotment. You grow." You know, and I was like. <laughs> but that kind of blew me away, you know. You grow stuff you're really excited about, yeah. yeah. Um, but the other thing, I, I, again, you know, that I'm not so grand on, um, on the big actual growing tips, but there are a couple things that I think are really, um, important is mm. make if it plan for a succession is really really important and I think if you unless you want things as a glut you know unless you want everything to come at once because you like preserving um or you want to sit there for two days and eat raspberries and nothing else that's plan for a succession and the way to do that really is to have some kind of key rules for yourself um and there are a couple of things that I do that I think kind of transform because it's not just getting the crop that's important. It's getting it in in installments that you want it. And I think that is often overlooked. And the the thing that I always do is if I've got seedlings that I'm going to put out in the garden, you know, I've got, let's say I've got some broad bean seedling. I've started them off undercover and I want to plant them out in the garden. I'm just about to pick them up. I don't. I sow some more undercover and then plant them out because the trouble is if I go and plant them out I'll see something else going on. I'll start running around eating cucumber melons or whatever it is I do when I get to the garden, and that to me is really important. Get your next batch ready before you deal with the first one because that just maintains that thing, and I think that's a really crucial thing uh, to be doing. Succession, really, really important. The other ways of doing that, obviously, are to choose things that give you a harvest um, at different times. You know, so something like purple sprouting, depending on the varieties you choose, you can get that. You know, for 7 8 months if you if you if you go at it, go about it like that unless you want it all at once so i think these decisions are kind of um they really transform the the feel of the success that you have from your your veg patch or your allotment or whatever it is without necessarily me leading to more work but they're just that thing of um getting a bit organized before you started um, um also um um i've got a thing can i tell you about my thing with mint yeah, because it, it's quite. It's kind of a. I learnt this um, from a woman called Kim who runs uh, cottage uh, cottage herbery.
0: All right, yeah. I think
2: that's it. Um, Kim Hurst. She's absolutely fantastic. Written a brilliant book about herbs. Um, I was always. I think a lot of people have this. If you grow mint in pots, and I do, um, because there's not that many places I want it to spread. What tends to happen is the mint grows around the edge of the pot, and the centre of the thing gets a bit hollow, uh, and it's a really nice thing if you empty, you know, let it get a little bit dry, not too dry, but dry enough that it will slide out of the pot easily and get a bread knife and cut it in half right through the center, you know, like uh, vertically through the center. And then you kind of twist that um, semicircle out the other way so you turn it kind of convex where it was concave, if you see what I mean. And then the outer, you know, the center bit goes to the edge and the bit that w- where all the mint was um, falls into the middle, and then it starts to fill up again. And if doing that once in a while, maybe just when you're potting it up, it just reinvigorates the whole thing and makes it much, much fuller rather than just producing around the edge, which is a really nice thing for me.
0: That's so interesting. That's the sort of thing that you never would have thought of doing unless someone, like, I never would have in a million years thought of that.
2: And do you you know what the weird thing is, right? Kim showed me that. I'm thinking,
0: why didn't I think of that?
2: And then every time (laughs) I say it, uh, you know, which isn't that often, but every time I say it, I'm thinking, I bet everybody else is doing this. And it's just me just <laughs> going, you know, it's it's one of those things like, you know, if it's raining, put a coat on. Uh, you know, it, it feels so very obvious yeah. that I presume everybody else is doing it. And, then, and generally people are like, oh my God. Yeah, of course. Red knife down there, nice and easy. Because it just cuts through really nicely and, woof, yeah. and you're away. And it just reinvigorates the whole plant. It's really good. I mean, I always do it if I'm just moving mint up a pot size because it's in my head to you know that you're playing with the thing anyway but if you even if you keep it at the same size that's a really lovely tip for it for doing yeah.
0: well wow, that I'm definitely giving that a try because my my mint is a state
2: <laughs> my pot
1: of mint in the garden I honestly I thought it was down and out last year it was just looking so worse for wear and now it's just absolutely exploding into life again it's, I just never known anything like it
2: honestly they're, they're extraordinary aren't they you could I I, I remember um I had a, a mint plant and, and, and again um, it, it fell off I put it on the, the, the side of the tractor I was driving around the field it fell off I forgot about it I ran over it on the way back totally flattened <laughs> it uh, and then left it out there thinking well that's dead and the rabbits were having a nice time with it and all of that over winter and then spring came back it's like hello you treat it was like Remember I treated me. it like my Yeah. It's like I treated it as my best friend all winter. And it was like, whoosh, there we go. Uh, um so yeah, grow mint and look like a genius is my advice.
0: I have to say, I really love how many of these stories involve you running over plants in your tractor. <laughs> Honestly. It, 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 it,
2: I, it, I, I, I'm that typical man who, who doesn't know what he's doing, so he throws himself at it in full. Uh, energy and um, <laughs> this is what happens it, it, things things um fall by the wayside
0: well i mean it's working out pretty well so i think keep, it depends how keep you look at it, it. <laughs> well thank
2: you thank you that's very encouraging yeah
1: so speaking of herbs um you've got a new book coming out and it is called herb it is So, uh, it's a cook's companion so mm-hmm. would you like to tell us a little bit about that i've seen it um
2: it... i, I really enjoying diving into it to be honest oh well that's very lovely to hear thank you yeah it's it's it, it's just about to walk into the world which is always an odd feeling because you know it, I, I, even though I've written endless books you know for years I, it, it always feels a bit peculiar to be yeah th- that what you tap away at suddenly come it's just this book and other people have got it and you get an email from someone in Vietnam going I love your book <laughs> like, what? Um, but yes I, I, it, I, I getting back to what I was Um, you know, saying earlier on, if I'm asked what should I grow by somebody who's just starting off, my first thing is grow something you're really looking forward to. The second is grow perennial herbs, because as we were just saying with mint, almost impossible to kill, very easy to look after. You get big flavor, even a handful of them by your back door transforms everything you eat. But we tend, even most of us who are experienced growers tend to kind of get stuck on our five or six, you know, the rosemaries and the thymes and the parsley and corianders and mint, and they're all delicious. But there are so many wonderful ways of using those herbs, but also so many others that are just really easy to grow, really easy to buy if you want to try them first. Transform your cooking. Really, really what they are is a kind of virtually a free way to having better food while eating virtually the same stuff. You know, They're just clothes that other foods dress up in. Um, so I wanted to do something that was a kind of cook's companion. You know, it's, it's not just about growing them because mostly with, I don't know, mostly with herbs, well, certainly with the perennial ones, it's, you know, put it in a nice pot and don't forget to water it. You know, it, 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 they're not that difficult to look after. So I wanted to include all of that kind of stuff about growing, but also about how to make the best of it. You know, because that's that's the kind of punchline that keeps us doing all the pleasurable stuff outside. So it's I think it's got 25 or 28 herbs in um all the familiar ones uh some that people may not be so familiar with you know things like korean mint which is an agastache rather than a mint but um is a you know just i use it more than almost any other herb and um like i say all the familiars lots of unusuals but lots of ways of using them how to get the best out of everything in the kitchen there's a 100 odd recipes um and i'm really pleased with it actually everybody involved I mean it's criminal that only my name goes on the front because you get designers and you get lovely people you know who all make these things better but um yeah they've made a beautiful book out of my nonsense words and um I'm very excited about it
1: I think that the, all the recipes are really good as well because often you do get to that point where you're like right I know what I use this for and I what I use this for but mm. sometimes you just want that kind of inspiration to be like Absolutely. okay Try it in something else now, and um, yeah, and that's what this does. So,
2: well, and, 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 you know, the other thing I'm really, really, really keen on is trying to in, just engender, and it's the same with the kind of growing stuff that I write or run courses on or whatever, is to try and instill people with a bit of confidence. You know, if you haven't got mint, try this. If you haven't got that, try this. But also really simple stuff. You know what we were saying about mint just now, cutting the thing in half and moving it around? Some really obvious things. I mean, one thing I think it was as soon as i wrote it i thought you know what that's going to be one of the most important part of the books the book is um the chop how you chop any herb is an ingredient in itself and uh, and the easiest example is to think of i don't know if you've made a curry and you've finely chop coriander and let's be honest most of us have one chop don't we we reduce whatever it is to that whatever degree of fineness and on it goes whether it's part whatever it is but if you chop it up pretty fine and throw it in the whole curry is kind of coriandered, isn't it you know you get a general mm. impression of delightful coriander running through it if you run your knife through it once or twice so that the bits are bigger almost jigsaw like you know if you got paid a fair bit of money and you know had your arm twisted you could sort of start putting the leaves back together that kind of grain mm. If you get that and you throw that on you've still put coriander on you still put the same amount on but what you get is a punctuation of coriander it's like coriander no coriander coriander mm. no coriander as you eat and the, the impact is very different so even even that the way you use your knife with a herb can totally change your experience of it mm. um, and and there are little things like that in there as well that i hope will maybe um make people think oh you know what i'm going to try that or i'm going to try um this mint instead of that one, or I'll try orange thyme rather than lemon thyme, or whatever. And I, 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 that's what I want really is to give people some options about a nicer tea once
0: in a mm, while. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, now I really want to make a curry. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. There, there, there are a few in there as well. In fairness, there
2: are a few um because herbs are so wonderful. You know, both both yeah. the kind of oily end and the and the kind of the the annual stuff. You know that adds lots of soft delight on the top at the end. Mm.
0: So I think you'll definitely be inspiring people to add add a few new things to their herb garden. Well, I hope so. Um, so we always like to finish off on the big question. <laughs> um, we generally ask for one thing, but if you can't think of just one thing, we, we will accept a couple. What would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned in your time that you've been growing?
2: Uh, no question the biggest thing you can do is give up all sense of perfection of trying to make everything work if you accept that things don't work that you will sow something early and it won't work out because a late frost comes or you try it late and guess what it did work even though it was after when you should have sown it you've got to be forgiving there is no it's very I think it's very easy in the gardening world or if you if you just do it yourself to to admonish yourself all the time because this didn't grow well or you sowed it late. As a general rule, seeds are relatively cheap. You know, I always say, try it, Mm. try it, try it. It doesn't matter. You know, give it a go. Always give it a go and be kind to yourself. This is not something you have to do, otherwise you get drummed out of the brain. You know, it's like, this is part of the pleasure of being alive. So be nice to yourself. I see an awful lot of people being too harsh on themselves. You know, this got blight, that got this, this didn't work. I sowed it too late. No one died, you know. Have fun, enjoy yourself. It's one of the great, great things you can do is grow even a little bit of your own food. So give up perfection, just do it and enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I think that is great advice. I think, um I do think a, a fixation on perfection isn't isn't helpful, and I think, as you say, you mm. can have a lot more fun if you, if you don't put that pressure on yourself, and if you say, "Look, some things are going to die, some things are going to be eaten by pests, some yeah. things, as you said earlier, some things you might grow and just find out you don't like it, but it's you learn every year, and there's always next year, and yeah have fun, even, you know
2: even, even if you are the best gardener in the world stuff won't work out how you want it to all the time. And that's grand. I mean, I'm I'm absolutely not saying don't get better or don't learn or don't read the magazine or Mm. don't listen to the podcast. One of the great, great things about gardening is it that it keeps our ears and minds open to what other people are doing. And it's lovely. I love all of that. But even if you're amazing, something's not going to work, you know, and that's fine. Just it's part of the whole whole deal. And I think the older I get, the more I'm accepting of the whole deal that I'm making with doing something you know I'll write some bad words I'll make a crap recipe something will die when I, I'm growing that's all mm. part of it otherwise you end up doing nothing
0: yeah know? yeah absolutely um well thank you very much for joining us today it's been really great to have a chat with you um and if all of the listeners can look out for look out for your book then that would be great um and Blake shall we go and have a chat about Harrod
1: Horticultural. So Laura, we're going to be chatting today briefly about the brilliant raised beds from our new sponsors, Harrod Horticultural. Um, And so we have asked listeners to send in a their questions about the raised beds um, so here are some of the questions that we got so first of all what are the dimensions of the Harrod Horticultural Raised Beds?
0: Well these are available in lots of different sizes so you'll be able to find something perfect for your garden they start off at two foot by two foot which is 0.6 meters by 0.6 meters mm-hmm. and go right up to eight foot by eight foot which is 2.4 meters by 2.4 meters and there's various other measurements besides so whether you've got sort of a little courtyard garden or whether you'll be growing on an allotment there'll be something for you
1: and what vegetables would you laura editor of grow your own recommend growing in a raised bed
0: well i would actually say you can grow most vegetables in raised beds they're really versatile so what do you want to grow like salad crops are great tomatoes beetroot carrots i'd say that one of the real benefits of raised beds is they're great for root crops because you can um obviously amend the soil in them more easily. So if you've got really stony clay soil that you might struggle to get great carrots in, a raised bed could be the answer. But yeah, very versatile. You can obviously put fruit and flowers in them as well, herbs, you know, don't don't be held back, go for it.
1: I think for lots of people, sometimes um, the thought of a raised bed, they think that maybe they're not sure what depth um they sort of can grow stuff in so if you're you know you want to grow lots of root crops and stuff are you still able to do that um but I think on the whole yeah. you can, right
0: yeah absolutely and particularly with these beds coming in um they don't only change in size sort of the ground space that they cover you can also get them in different heights as well um so the depth for growing veg will really depend on the kind of veg you're growing as they'll all have different needs um so definitely make sure that you're checking checking the care needs of the veg you're growing. But thanks to the different depths of the beds and the different sizes, um, yeah, you can, you can work out pretty much anything really depth-wise.
1: And um, so what kind of ground should you be growing on? Does that matter? Is that a, an important consideration uh, when you're deciding where to put your raised bed?
0: Um, I would actually say that because um, these... Beds, the wood on these beds has been treated. Um, so they can grow, they can be put on pretty much any surface. So they're really versatile in that way. I think probably the really important consideration when you're siting your raised bed will be um, the positioning in terms of sunlight or shelter or anything like that. So don't worry so much about the surface you're putting them on because they can be used on practically any surface I mean you might want to consider if you're on a real slope that obviously then when you water and things everything might just run down to the end but um yeah in general extremely versatile um so consider siting for the care needs of your plants rather than worrying about what you're putting the bed on if that makes sense
1: and if anybody was kind of unsure as to whether a raised bed sh- would be for them, what kind of perks and advantages, and and how would you persuade somebody that they should perhaps be growing in a raised bed? Because I think a lot of people just see it as something maybe as a practical solution to a small space or that mm. kind of thing.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's loads of perks to growing in a raised bed. As I already briefly touched on, you can control the soil conditions, which means you can overcome problematic garden soil. I think that's a really big thing. You. Can can uh, make sure that you have the appropriate growing medium for what you're growing um also they make gardening very accessible Mm. they're perfect for use for everyone you can get um fairly you know fairly tall raised beds so if you struggle to lean over or perhaps if you're a gardener who's using a wheelchair there's you know various various different benefits meaning that they're great for all gardeners and i mean we all like our gardens to look nice as well. They can look really lovely. So yeah, I think they're the benefits, they're very versatile, they're very accessible and they look nice.
1: Okay, and one more final question that we got sent was okay, how often do raised beds need watering?
0: Ah, uh, That's a really good question because obviously pot-grown crops tend to need more watering than stuff grown in open ground. Mm-hmm. But I would say in the same way as anything else you're growing, keep an eye on your plants and water if the soil feels dry to the touch. Um, But you can help the beds hold on to moisture by adding a mulch. This helps lock the moisture in and you might have to water less frequently. Um, As I also mentioned before, these beds are treated so you don't have to worry when you're watering your crops about the wood rotting and various things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would also say if you have further questions after this about the beds um you can visit the website which is harrodhorticultural.com to find out more or to order your own um and blake shall we go and get a new team chat guest and a cup of tea and speak on the other side see you then Hello Blake, but not only Blake. We have Grow Your Own's new content writer joining us today as well, George. Hello, would you like to introduce yourself to the Dirt listeners?
3: Hi Laura, hi Blake. Thanks uh, very much for having me on. It's a delight to be on the the pod. Yeah, as you you said, Grow Your Own's new content writer and uh, I've been really enjoying contributing to the magazine and now exciting to to be on the pod as well. and I suppose I'm um, Grow Your Own's honorary Northern correspondent on top of all that.
0: Yes. It is It is good to have a Northern representative now because, you know, all of this Southeast weather. Yes. Um, Blake, do you want um, to... So shall I kick stuff off? Yes, please do.
1: Yeah, I've got a, a really random story that I saw um, uh, recently, so... I certainly didn't see this story coming, but a while back, you may remember that we had a lovely chap on the podcast named Gerald, and yes. um, he's for a while been causing a bit of a storm over on Twitter with his uh, wholesome vegetable growing content to the point that he's nearly got 300,000 followers now. He's very, wow. very popular. He's kind of become a bit of a internet sensation. So
0: so well-deserved.
1: Um, yeah, so I've been following him and following his kind of uh, rise to stardom, and noticed <laughs> uh, this is so random that he's been working with the fashion brand Gucci which oh, seems like a, a strange pairing um yeah actual Gucci and actual Gerald Stratford have wow. up for a campaign around there in the garden with Gucci so uh, tell
0: project. me what, the, so, what does this fashion entail uh
1: so in the videos um that they've put out he's Donning this um, stylish and sturdy pair of overalls, um, very practical. Uh, it's from their off-the-grid collection. So hmm. um, this collection is made using recycled, organic, sustainably sourced materials. Um, amazing. Sort of like from abandoned, it's like upcycled, I guess, or from regenerated from abandoned fishing nets, old carpets, that kind of uh, thing that I guess would normally go to landfill, but they're reusing them. So um yeah, not not the kind of gardening <laughs> news that you might expect to see. No.
0: But are we gonna see no. Gerald on the catwalk on a catwalk near you soon?
1: I won't lie, he was absolutely just like bossing the whole thing. Like he looked like a total pro. And like he'd been doing it for years in the videos that I saw. He was like showing all these young hipstery people around his garden and giving tips and um, recommend checking this out. I have a little uh, search on Google for it because it is very wholesome.
3: Amazing. I'm I'm definitely going to be looking that up. He's really the man of
1: the moment as well. He's got a book coming out in the autumn called Big Veg. So um, I'm sure we'll all be reading that when it when it hits shelves as well. So Gerald World Takeover here.
0: (laughs) I yeah.
3: know big well big served. Gerald fan. I was sure, Blake, I was absolutely sure I was going to have the most random story for the team <laughs> chat today. And you you've just you've just blown it out of the water. So, you'll uh, I'll try anyway. So, this um <laughs> there's a new experiment uh, set to take place in the Mojave Desert um in in Nevada, USA. So that's near Las Vegas, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And they basically um it's headed up by Elon Musk and SpaceX. I'm sure we've all heard of Elon Musk. Uh, he's a bit of a crazy international billionaire, isn't he? And he's trying to discover if we can grow vegetables on Mars. Um, right. and that's what this experiment's all about. Uh, so he's teamed up with a European organic fruit and veg supplier and uh, his brother's uh, sort of agricultural company. And, yeah, they want to try and uh, reproduce the conditions of Mars in America uh, and then eventually colonize Mars.
0: Wow. I mean,
1: I think, yeah, you might have uh, outdone me there, actually, George. That That is quite unexpected as well.
0: I mean, I'm very pleased that you qualified it because my first question was going to be, why are they trying to recreate Mars? But, you know, if they're wanting mm. us to colonize Mars, I suppose it would be important to grow vegetables on it.
3: I I I'd, I'd suppose it will be. The other the other thing that that stood out in the in the press release that did uh, make me laugh was um the the head of the uh fruit and veg uh company that are involved in it called Eosta. Um they said uh, his his comment was we were quick to agree that we should try this on earth first before going to Mars.
0: <laughs> <laughs> really
3: <laughs> wow. wow.
0: As if, as if we might have just
3: nipped up and tried it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Also, just the absolute optimism of, let's just go to Mars. It will be fine. (laughs) Probably just thinking, you know, I grow on some stony ground here. Let's just go to God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will be interested to see what happens there, and you know, maybe see you both on Mars soon. (laughs) Um. So I'm bringing something a little bit more tame than what both of you have brought to the table, I'm afraid. I don't want to be uh, ending on a, well, it's not a boring note, it's a lovely note. Um, Basically, The Telegraph had a feature recently about how to help urban birds flourish post-lockdown. And it's about the lessons that lockdown has taught us about how birds adapt to city life. And I thought that... You you might find some of this uh, quite interesting. For example, there's evidence that birds rapidly adjust their behaviour to fit in with human activity. For example, several studies show that birds behave differently at the weekend compared to during the working week. So it may be that birds perceived lockdown as an unusually long and exceptionally peaceful weekend. So basically birds have been behaving like rural birds which have no traffic noise to compete with and the dawn chorus happens at what would be considered the normal time for the dawn chorus. Um, So it says there's a lot of pressure for singing to be heard so the best time is normally around dawn. It's quiet and the acoustic properties of the atmosphere are most favourable. Um, during The spring in Spain, the dawn chorus coincides with the morning rush hour and all the traffic noise ruins everything as far as the birds are concerned. The result is that the urban birds have tended to shift their singing to mid-morning. So, yeah, so basically we've allowed birds to go back to living how they want to live because we haven't been trafficking up their lives so have you noticed, I mean, I can't honestly say that I've noticed here because as I've mentioned previously, we just have seagulls the size of small dogs here and not really many other birds. <laughs> um, but have either of you noticed more bird activity in your areas?
3: Um, I did have an interesting spot recently. I don't know if it would tie into that necessarily, but we, we uh, there was a, a kestrel in my garden on the shed, which was a really unusual oh, wow. spot. Um I don't know if it would necessarily tie in it. Did you get a photo? Sense. I didn't. I wasn't quick enough. I wasn't quick enough. Oh. Sadly,
0: That is a hell of a spot though.
1: I have a, um, yeah, I'm on a, I'm having a bit of a tumultuous time with the local urban birds right now because <laughs> I went on a walk the other day and got about two minutes from my front door uh, and got pooped on. So uh, not very oh happy. No. Oh no. Yeah. Uh yeah I had to it's come back it's meant to
0: be good luck though isn't it or do we just say it that is. to make people I don't know. that have been pooed maybe on maybe that's feel just better. to make
1: you feel better because I don't I have, nothing good has happened I've since um done a lottery ticket and I didn't win uh <laughs> yeah I haven't noticed anything uh, in particular since that happened
0: but uh yeah hmm. so
1: that was annoying
0: yeah I can imagine and I guess that does mean that you're not very happy with the local bird life indeed You don't want them singing in the morning anymore because they have wronged you. (laughs) It
1: won't last long.
0: Um, Anyway, I guess that you two had probably best get back to magazine land and I have got a few jobs on the plot Any seedlings you have growing on in their rows should be thinned out once they're strong enough to be handled. This allows the remaining ones enough space to grow on well and reduces the likelihood of issues such as fungal diseases, as air will be able to circulate. Now is a good time to start feeding any container-grown fruit trees you have in your garden. Do this with a balanced liquid feed about once a fortnight. This helps to encourage healthy foliage. Another task in the fruit garden is to complete any formative pruning of young trees. It's wise to do this now before the weather warms and they put on too much growth. Weeds are likely to be popping their heads up all over the place as the weather warms up. So keep on top of your patrols, hoeing off weeds while they're young and before they have a chance to get established. Although the temperatures are increasing, we're likely to be seeing more sunshine too, but don't let that fool you. Late frosts are still possible. So keep a roll of horticultural fleece handy to deploy if frost hits. We hope you're having a brilliant spring so far on the plot and from all of us here, happy growing. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dirt, in partnership with Harrod Horticultural. Harrod Horticultural is the go-to choice for UK-made, superior quality gardening products, including grow-your-own solutions that will last the test of time, from raised beds and planters to bean frames and fruit cages.
1: Discover the many growing advantages of using raised beds, tables or manger planters, all made even easier with sizes to suit all gardens. Giving the plants the right support with frames is key, as is protecting them to achieve ultimate growing success. Harrod Horticultural has got you covered.
0: Harrod has all you need with the widest choice of crop cages, hoops, netting, cloches and other clever ideas that promise to take your growing to the next level.
1: So to find out more, visit harrodhorticultural.com.
0: And don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode of The Dirt. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to tell all your lovely garden and allotment neighbours where to find us. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for the dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash GPOD7, that's G P O D and the number seven. Or call 0800 904 7000 and quote GPOD7 to receive seven issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just 29 99 That's 11.94 off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list and a big bonus. Each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And on a final exciting note, we're on the hunt for podcast guests, and the next one could be you or someone you know. If you, a friend or a family member, has some great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets, or funny plot disasters they'd like to share, let us know by emailing thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk.